Welcome to Talk FX, a podcast dedicated to encouraging the lives of those affected by Fragile X Syndrome. We have weekly conversations about some of the biggest challenges our neurodiverse peers face today. Our desire is to also share this platform with other families and experts to inform and encourage others in the neurodiverse community. We promise to keep it honest and real with you as well. And with that, here's this week's episode. Welcome back to another episode of Talk Fragile X. I'm so excited for today's episode as we continue to focus on Disability Employment Awareness Month. Um, It's a month that I'm extremely passionate about and uh, quite frankly, won't shut up about. Um, (laughs) So you're stuck with me. So um, today I have the pleasure of uh, introducing Rob Snow. He is the director um, of CEO Commission for Disability Employment and um, he's going to talk about everything that they do um, and what better month to have him on than this than this month. So uh, thank you so much, Rob, for your time. Um, can you just, you know, introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about what you do and, and what the CEO Commission for Disability is? Yes, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me on. Um, really great to be here and to meet you and uh, very excited about what you're doing. Um, of course, always, always exciting to um, kind of see what people are able to do in the podcast community to, you know, even further get awareness out and ideas out. And, um, you know, it just, and just, it makes it all so much better. <laughs> it really does. And I think that's what podcasts and we all use them. Um, in different ways, of course, if you're on your walk or if you're in your car or on the plane, wherever. And it, it goes right into people's heads. I mean, it really is a, a very informative way to, to get great stuff out. So appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, I'm, so I'm, I'm pretty recent or I'm pretty new to being the director of the CEO Commission for Disability Employment. Um, this was an organization that was founded um, around 2018, um, the founding partners were Voya Financial, um, and it was through their Voya Cares program, um, which is which is really their program that is dedicated to various, um, you know, nonprofit and different advocacy needs um, around the country. Um, but their Voya Cares program, and then. It, uh, the other founder was SHRM, Society for, for Human Resource Management, and the National Down Syndrome Society. So all three of them came together um, to found this. And the basically the idea of the CEO Commission um, for Disability Employment is really um, we are trying to inspire and engage business leaders to drive change um, through policy, practice, and culture in the way of disability inclusive employment. So really those three big components there are, are policy, practice, and culture. So we are very strong um, in terms of um, policy and advocacy. Um, we're on the Hill. We, we, we have connections on the Hill. Um, we, we meet with you know, legislatures. Um, fairly regularly to help advance various priorities that um, are all about disability inclusive employment. 
and and then the other two pieces that are practice and culture so um, really trying to get um, corporations and companies to um, you know create and build or improve sustainable end-to-end solutions on disability inclusive employment mm-hmm. and the culture the culture piece is key there too i think you know because we added that because you need to also create the culture you can't just you know have a the commitment from a ceo to say okay we're going to build our disability inclusive practice um and just and just go without also creating a culture of understanding on why that building is happening and what that means to the employees, um, both who have disabilities and those who do not. So you have to kind of create both, both of those things when you're, when you're truly building these programs. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Um, And where are you guys located and like how, um, uh, for lack of a better word, how far out do you guys, you know, support, um, like what's your region? Well, it's really the whole country. Um, you know, I'm personally located in Cleveland, Ohio. Um, but you know, really it's, um, you know, I'm working with all of our partners that are located around the country. I call all of the, um, members of the CEO commission. Those that join, um, are called partners. Mm-hmm. Because what we're looking for is is really committed um, organizations, and we divide that into um, four types of partners. So we have our corporate or business partners, and that can range anywhere from small businesses to you know the largest of the large corporations. Um, these are you know corporations that want to commit to building or improving a disability inclusive uh, employment practice and culture. Mm-hmm. Um, or they're committed to um, being a part of, you know, policy and advocacy um, and, and bolstering there. Um, those are the two kind of commitments from, a, from our corporate partners. And then we have service partners. And service partners are those that help execute our mission. So they could be, you know, they could be involved in staffing. Uh, we have uh, several staffing organizations that help staff um, individuals with disabilities to various, you know, corporations and businesses around the country. Um, it could be in the way of, um, you know, disclosure or providing accommodations, really anything that is going to be involved in the execution of, um, building a disability inclusive employment practice. Okay. And then we have, yeah. And then the third would be our entrepreneur partners. Those are businesses that are founded and led by individuals with disabilities. And then fourth, we have our disability advocacy partners or disability advocates. And those would be, um, you know, mostly the more national organizations, for instance, um, um, Fragile X, um, is it Fragile X Foundation? Yeah, the National Fragile X Foundation. National Fragile X Foundation is a partner to us. Um, uh, The National Down Syndrome Society is a partner to us. So those um, kind of more national um, disability advocacy organizations that um, can offer their expertise in particular disabilities and really be a part of, you know, this whole package that we can, we can provide. So it's, you know, if you become a partner to the CEO Commission for Disability, Disability Employment, um, you're really getting this collaborative and networking um, effect 
um, with all of our partners so that we, you know, our goal is to really not miss a beat in terms of helping these companies, you know, sustain a disability program. Mm -hmm. That is awesome. Um, I knew that you, that you uh, guys had a partnership with the National Fragile X Foundation, but I wasn't sure uh, what, what category that they were in, but that's so, so cool. Um, and I was, I was kind of taking a, a peek at your guys's, um, uh, website and I, you know, came across, um, you know, uh, your, your, an explanation of like your guys's approach to what you do. And, you mm-hmm. know, you said that, um, the CEO commission for disability employment, you uh, implement tactics in tackling barriers to the workplace. Um, can you kind of uh, elaborate on that? Um, and like how you guys tackle those barriers? Um, and maybe what your partnerships how they might support you in that? Yeah, absolutely. We we just, so we've been around since 2018. However, um, there's been some kind of starts and stops um, to it. Um, you know, a lot of that was COVID related, of course. Right. Uh, <laughs> you know, we've had some leadership changes and then some kind of varying ideas of how we were going to proceed. Um, you know, now, right now is, is probably the most committed, you know, effort we've had Um going forward of how we're going to grow and build and some of and that's because of some of the things that have developed not not just me being being hired recently but um (laughs) you know we 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 recently developed a partnership with um the harkin institute which is um yep Mm -hmm. okay know it well good senator (laughs) Senator tom harkin it's it's really become a, a thought leadership and think tank um, in, in a few different ways, but specifically to us uh, in the way of disability employment. Um, so I think that partnership, you know, provides a ton of, um, you know, very credible um, analysis of, of this type of, um, you know, this type of practice that we're doing. The other is we just completed our enterprise playbook. So this is about a 40 page playbook um, or it's almost a blueprint on exactly how a company can um, alter their programming or create their programming for disability inclusive employment oh, wow. uh, or practices. And so this is really the blueprint that we use with any new partners that you know want to come in. And like I said, it's it's really either improve or build. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because there, there's plenty that come in and they they want to be committed to this. They certainly understand that there's a need for it. Um, we are talking about, uh, you know, probably 25% of the working population has disabilities. Mm-hmm. So what that means is they either have not, um, that, that there are people out there to be hired or they have individuals within their workforce, uh, within their own workforce that have disabilities, but have not disclosed those disabilities. Oh, okay. So it's always interesting when you talk to, um, you know, either you know, even our partners um, or those that are interested or, you know, really many companies out there um, that have a disclosure rate on the disability of around, I think the average is around two to 3% um, of, you know, of the workforce 
discloses that they have a disability to their employers. And I think the U.S. Department of Labor once is, has an aspiration for that to be 7%, um, that each company has 7% of their workforce having disabilities. Mm-hmm. So when you think of those two numbers, one, obviously the 2 to 3% isn't coming close to the 7%. But then you think the 7%, isn't really that aggressive when, when, you know, the, the studies show that there's 25% of working age adults have a disability, whether that's seen or unseen, um, physical or neurodivergent. Um, so there's, there's, you know, there's, there's a lot of different ways to go about this. So in our blueprint, we're trying to address all of that. You know, it could be a challenge to address, um, to address, you know, every single disability, but it's one that needs to be done um, and it needs to happen. So it, it's all about awareness and creating that awareness. But really, I think that disclosure piece is really important mm-hmm. to the, at least the beginning of this process to understanding how many of your actual employees that you currently employ have a disability that you're not addressing right now. Right. And how, how important it is for them to know that. Um, yes. And how it changes, you know, how they support them as an employee. Um, well, yeah, I mean, think about it, Nicole, if you, you know, if you have a disability and let, let's say you have, you know, um, ADHD um, or dyslexia or something that's not really seen and maybe people don't re- readily, readily know or really note too often because you've done a good job in your life of kind of making sure people don't know about that. Right. right. And, you know, you, you because that's the way society has kind of put you in that position of, hey, I better I better not disclose this. I better hide this from people. Mm-hmm. Well, those individuals have various challenges um, and various accommodations that can help them um, for sure. But if they're not able to disclose it, then they don't get those. So the pro- so their productivity can suffer from that. Mm-hmm. Yep. And that's a problem, you know, and so you have an employee here who, who could be doing much better and might even be getting, you know, maybe even bad reviews or average reviews. And, and the reason is not that employee. The reason is because they are not receiving the accommodations that they should so that they can do much better at their job. Right. Yeah. So it's, you know. Well, and, you need. know, it's kind of interesting, you know, that you share that because, um, I am, I'm an employment specialist. So I help people with disabilities get jobs. And um, I always have to really encourage them to uh, disclose that information to their potential employers and share why. Um, Because I, you know, I want what you were saying is to make sure that they get the support that they get, Um, especially because most of the individuals that I work with, um, it's their first job. <laughs> um, yeah. So I work with a lot of individuals that are in their transition year. Um, I don't work with a lot of adults that go through this same thing because it can be different for adults versus individuals that are just getting their first job. Um, but it's so important because not only, like you said, they need to be able to receive uh, the supports uh, in the workplace, but also um, from a state level, you know, they need those services. 
um, whether it's, well, in our state of Washington, it's um, uh, Department of Vocational Rehabilitation, and uh, uh, then there's uh, a long-term services that our state offers too. And so without disclosing that they have a disability, they can't um, gain those services. And so imagining what an individual's life would be like if they didn't um, disclose that and get the supports that they need. Right. I mean, that's just, that's hard. Um, yeah. So, um, and, and in terms of, and I really appreciate you uh, answering my question, by the way, that was, that was great. Um, from a policy standpoint, um, what uh, is your guys's uh focus um you know like you said you go you go to the hill like i've actually right. i've been there for advocacy day and it was such an amazing experience um with, it is yeah. with the national fragile x foundation so um going there for for a uh employment disability employment standpoint i'm sure that was um an experience in itself but uh what is your guys's focus as far as you know uh policy yeah, it's an experience. You you nailed it, and and it shouldn't be taken lightly. I, you know, I did it. I think three times as a parent. I have a son with Down syndrome, and that kind of is what gets me, um, you know, gets my passion in this, and what brought, brought me into into this uh, industry, uh, not industry, but this uh, <laughs> this position uh, right now, um, because you know I had worked in kind of the corporate space for about twenty three years, and. Um, and then this is, you know, just recently I said, boy, I'm, I'm looking, you know, to, to get further into the disability, um, disability causes and certainly employment is huge. My son's 14 and, you know, we don't drive down the street without him um, asking about different places he wants to work. And <laughs> would you believe, Nicole, that he never asks uh, to, you know, um, sort things or stock things in shelves and that's that sort of thing um and you know there's nothing wrong with those those types of jobs but yeah i don't i don't want my son to be pigeonholed in that when really what he wants to be is he wants to own a pizza restaurant oh. or he wants to be uh, he wants to create um gaming he wants to be a part of gaming oh my god so oh he's yeah and he, he asked me almost daily to call up <laughs> the the, the person who founded uh, or created uh, the game Fortnite, he oh. asked me daily to call him <laughs> and get him a job there. So, That's but awesome. these are the things, I mean, it, it, what it, what it really is all about is making sure that we're always advocating for, um, for the opportunities yep. for those individuals um, to have the opportunities that meet their, their abilities. Mm -hmm. and, and that's it. And, you know, and, you know, like all of us, there's jobs that, meet our abilities and there's jobs that don't. And I think we grossly um, underestimate the abilities of those with disabilities right. um, oh, in, in this world and they get pigeonholed all too often. And so we want to make sure those, those opportunities are there. So when you talk about, you know, the Hill and um, even in your state legislatures, it is really important. And, you know, to kind of take a phrase from from Hamilton I mean you really do feel like you're in the room where it happens and, and you are mm -hmm. um, you know we went um, in June no, July and we had our first CEO Commission Hill Day um, where all of our partners or those that could attend um, you know had five or six 
different meetings with various, um, you know, congressional members or their staffers um, throughout the day. And um, it's always telling. It's always something you have to prepare for and be ready for. Um, just the movement of it alone. You're, you're walking from one side of, you know, a building to the other, from one side of the Capitol to the other. Um, you know, meetings get changed uh, at the last minute, so you have to have a good communication system. Um, but, you know, we all have our views on, on, on politicians, of course. Um, mm -hmm. no, nobody shies away from their views on that. But, you know, <laughs> um, and you don't have to agree with all of them. But what you do realize is that they, they're very hardworking individuals, every one of them. And they're right. taking the time to meet, you know, whether it's 15 to 30 minutes with, with groups like ours and groups like yours. And that's just a, the tip of the iceberg because they're also meeting with, you know, uh, the Girl Scouts of America. and They're meeting with right. you know, just literally every group out there at different times um, and having to take, you know, photo ops and things like that. And so, um, but, you know, I was really it kind of moved recently when, we did go out there and one of the bills that we um, we, we really look to have introduced, and this would be to be reintroduced because it's not currently introduced in this, this session, is the SSI Savings uh, Penalty Elimination Act. Yeah. So basically, it's a huge one. I mean, if you know it and you're, if your listeners know it, um, they probably know it uh, to the level of the fact that a person with disability can only have $2,000 in assets yep. to their without being disqualified from um, levels of, um, you know, uh, employment income or disability employment income. Yep. It's $2,000. That's what it was when the law was first enacted. And I want to say that was like 40 years ago. Wow. Uh, I'm not sure, if they, but it, it was. It was 30 to 40 to even more years ago, $2,000. So that hasn't risen, not with inflation, not with anything. Yep. Yet. And, it, and it's just insane. And talk about discouragement of getting a job. Well, you know? yes. And <laughs> I, you hit it right on the nail, truly. I mean, I, so many of the individuals that I work with, that's a big, um, like, barrier for them uh, when right. looking for employment. They, it, it causes them to, uh, you know, be limited to what their opportunities are so that they don't lose their benefits. And... Um, that number should increase so that there can be more opportunities uh, for them. And um, it's really hard sometimes. Um, <laughs> so thank it you is. for that. Um, it's a huge deal. Well, and then, well, so going back to like, it, does it matter? Does, it, does any of this matter? Well, um, it does matter, um, <laughs> you know, because... Uh, and this would, by the way, this law would increase it to $10,000, which, again, is really nothing in today's day and age. But right. I guess it's something, you know, it's, it's, it's something. And I guess that's what we have to kind of go on. But mm -hmm. so, you know, and then it was just recently uh, announced in September that the bill is being reintroduced now. So that was, you know, I was like, hey, I think we were somewhat a part of that. I think our commission was somewhat a part of it, as were all the other organizations writing their, you know, legislators about this particular bill. So it was, you know, Senator Brown and Senator Case, uh, Cassidy um, were able to reintroduce this bill. And so it will it will get a vote. I mean, they think it'll be a fairly um, bipartisan vote and it could come this year. Mm -hmm. um, 
which would be tremendous, you know? And so yeah. these things do happen. The policy piece is big. Yes. You know, we always tell our corporate partners that are um, very committed to um, improving or building their disability inclusive employment. Um, we, we say, hey, look, I'm, I'm sure you have lobbying efforts um, for your other aspects of your business, you know, the products that you sell. I'm sure you have lobbying, especially with large corporations. Um, you know, if there's a medical company, then they have they have people lobbying, um, you know, towards whatever they're they're building, right, um, or producing. And I we say, hey, let us be your arm um, for disability inclusive employment. Um, you're committed to it. You want it to happen. We want to we want policies that will make this easier for you. There's various tax incentives for corporations if policies get passed that can improve things like that. So there's big benefit to those corporations um, allowing us to be their 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 sort of policy arm um, in in these spaces that they you know might not currently know much about. Mm-hmm. Yes, um, I think it's really important to talk about these things because um, just. As a society, I don't think that we often know what's going on, um, even as families affected by uh, disability, um, and even people that, uh, even families that are not affected by a disability should still uh, care about these policies and these issues because, um, you know, obviously the individuals with disabilities are just as much of part of the society. Oh, yeah. and- and they want to be a part of uh, the workplace and have their own independent experience. I mean, there's just so many reasons why we should be supporting um, disability employment all over the U.S. because, you know, some states uh, have more awareness about it than others. Yeah. I'll leave it it at that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, uh, (laughs) you know, if you think about it, it's, I mean, you, you said it right. It's, no, we can start with, and people don't people don't like this argument if they're on the wrong side of it. But you can start with it's it's just the right thing to do, <laughs> you know. Right. Uh, number two, though, if you do look at that, twenty five percent of our country has a disability. Then, you know, I used to do, I used to, or I still do, but I speak around the country, and um, and anytime I'm I, in, as part of my my keynote speeches, um, I'll ask the audience, you know, who has a disability i'll get some people raising their hands who is related to someone um, who's closely related to someone ability so in your immediate family and i'll get more i'll ask everybody to keep their hands up um and then you get more hands you know about 20 25 percent of the audience raises their hand at this point and then it's um who's related in another way it's your cousin it's your aunt your uncle and then now another 25 percent of the audience is raising their hands and then my final question is who is close friends to someone who is related to somebody with a disability? Mm-hmm. And now it's like everybody, you know, the, the, I, by the end, it's really like the entire audience has their hands up. So if, if, if you're there and if this doesn't really mean much to you, but you were, you know, you were the, uh, a, a groomsman in your buddy's wedding and his, his brother has a disability. Well, you should be, you should be interested in this and you should be um, understanding of this. And um, 
supportive of it because that's your best friend or one of your best friends, you know? So, so this doesn't start to affect, you know, a lot of us as we go, but the other studies out there that are just really compelling, um, <laughs> are, you know, the, the ways that companies can really build their profits, Yep. you know, number, number one, employee morale goes up mm-hmm. because again, if you have a worker that if you start a, a, a true, a true, I have to say a true disability inclusive employment program right? Um, or practice. If you really start that and you have an employee who does not have a disability, but their brother does or their sister does, how happy is that, 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 that employee in the, the kind of the, um, you know, the mission of the company, mm-hmm. you know, you go, oh, you believe in something that is near and dear to me, you know? So it's not just, obviously they're doing, if, if they're building this program, they're doing great by the people in their company that have disabilities. But you also have to consider those that are close to people who have disabilities. And so the employee morale goes up. But then customers, it's been, it's been evidenced that customers want to spend um, at places that have missions that include those with disabilities. Because again, customers have... Um, family members and close friends who have disabilities. So they see that. So when you promote this and, and not promote it for, you know, just for promotion's sake, right? That you're actually walking the walk, that you're a company that shows that you actually are hiring people with disabilities um, and putting them in meaningful employment. Consumers are gonna wanna spend there. Mm-hmm. And then when you have people with disabilities, your products become more um, disability oriented or, you know, or more, um, you know, supportive of those with disabilities. I was reading this article recently about so many of the things that we all use just on the daily that were started to help people with disabilities that now we all use. I mean, think of any voice to text, um, technology, think of, you know, various, um, screens and monitors that, you know, um, you can zoom in and zoom out, just different things. So it's, it's really at kind of the peril of a company to not, um, you know, not relate to or be supportive of individuals with disabilities. Right. Yeah. I think that there's so many benefits to companies hiring uh, supported employment or even if they, you know, if they don't need uh, supported employment and they're, they're able to work independently, you know, um, not only there's the benefits that you mentioned, but also, um, you're actually, especially if you have a developmental disability, you're helping that individual build life skills. You're helping them learn, learn how to be an employee, especially if they've never been an employee before. And there's, just so much um uh there's so much encouragement in that that then spreads into the community you know um living in washington state there's certain companies that are really big on supported employment or just hiring an individual with a disability whether or not they need it and um you know those places are always very busy and there's a reason for that like you just like you just mentioned. And um, I always like to think of it too, on that deeper 
side of it is the life skills that they get to develop because I have a, um, uh, a cousin in high school, he has fragile X syndrome and, you know, soon he's going to be graduating high school and looking for employment opportunities. And I, and I want him to, you know, uh, be able to have the opportunities that everybody else has, you know, and not settle for something that, you know, uh, he would be just fine in, you know, just like what you were saying about your son, you want him to be able to do what he sets his mind to. Like, because yeah. I, I mean, I have lots of questions about his pizza business. I'm really hoping that he would do <laughs> stuffed crust because <laughs> I am a big stuffed crust fan. And for whatever reason, <laughs> There are very few places here in Washington that do it, and it really <laughs> makes me sad. So, right, um, <laughs> if I could just give him one piece of advice, stuffed yeah. crust. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's going to be uh, Henry's Henry's Pizza and Gaming. Um, oh my gosh, <laughs> gaming company. That, that yeah. is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> um, what an entrepreneur! My goodness. Um, <laughs> and and like yeah, and it's like why not give them the opportunity to be an entrepreneur? And, you know, we, as an employment consultant, I kind of see two sides of the, of the coin, you know, there's some individuals that thrive really well in a more, um, uh, entry level job, you know, um, like at a grocery store or something like, you know, maybe it's that they want to work on their, um, interpersonal skills, you know, or something like that. And they find that fulfillment, you know, in a grocery store. But I've also placed, uh, I've also placed individuals at hospitals where they do really meaningful work. Um, and it's, it's quite amazing. So there's really, it really depends on the individual, um, like kind of what you were saying, like you, you know, you want your son to be able to do what his dream is. And that's exactly what we should be encouraging, you know, the disability community in, um, not just necessarily uh, getting them into something that's more entry level and doesn't have any growth opportunities for them. Um, and I think that that's what we all want for our lives is to have a job where there are growth opportunities and we don't feel stagnant. Um, and so I, I think that, um, so many people have missed that mark, you know, of like, let's not just settle. Let's um, right. really, let's really figure out what uh, their, their skill sets are and, and what uh, capabilities they have to grow in those um, skill sets. And I think that um, another area that has really missed the mark is employers. Um, not that employers are bad because they're the, you know, they're the opportunity, but some employers, I don't think that they recognize or really seek out to to learn what the benefits are of, of, of uh, creating an inclusive work environment for people with disabilities. And I just think that there's way too many companies out there that haven't even given it a thought yet, you know, and they need organizations like yours and the partnerships that you guys have to uh, help them realize the importance of uh, inclusive em employment environment. Because um, I have met so yeah. many, I've met so many companies on my end that didn't even think about it until I walked through their doors. 
Um, you know, so sometimes it just takes a little nudge <laughs> and, and so it, I am just, I'm just o- overwhelmed with the stuff that you guys do and it's awesome. Um, and I think that, um, on a policy level, on a cultural level, um, on a practice level, your guys's mission is absolutely, um, amazing and it's very respectable. Um, so, Thank you. uh, I really, really appreciate that. Um, I, I do want to go back to real quick. Um, when you mentioned you guys created your, your blueprint, um, for, uh, uh, companies. So, um, excuse me. Um, so can you, can you, um, explain that to, to me one more time? It's, it's essentially to help, uh, the partnerships yeah. that you guys have, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. What we really wanted to make sure that we were doing was offering our partners, um, particularly those corporations. I mean, it's called the CEO Commission um, for Disability Employment for a reason. We, mm-hmm. we realized we want to target the CEOs. So in other words, we want a top-down driven, um, you know, methodology or um, top-down driven um, mission of, of doing this. And how do you get that? Well, it has to come from the CEO level or the president level, um, who's ever leading the organization has to do this and they have to do it with passion. You know, (laughs) a lot of times, um, a CEO will announce a directive, um, you know, to the teams, uh, and it's, you know, what, what most people think is that, okay, if the CEO says it, it's, it's a done deal. It's going to get, it's going to happen. And it might, and it probably will. Um, but to what end, you know, there's going to be, uh, there's potentially, um, you know, different people that this new directive involves that are now um, reducing their bandwidth once again, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> or stretching their bandwidth. And they're like, oh, here's another thing we have to do. So we want to make sure that if this message of, you know, building a disability inclusive employment practice is delivered from the CEO, that it's done so in a way that creates a culture that also wants it to happen at every level of the company, mm-hmm. you know, so it's, it's not done in a way of like, oh boy, here's another thing we have to do. You know, the IT teams that are always stretched too thin, um, HR teams that are stretched too thin, you know, um, what do we have to do now? You know, so we want to make sure that that is delivered in the appropriate way. And so this blueprint, uh, sorry, this playbook, I, I sometimes call it a blueprint, <laughs> uh, but it's it really does help um, the CEOs and then those that will also be involved in, you know, delivering on this um, a really great perspective of what this means throughout the organization and how to um, how to message it throughout the organization. So, you know, you're really going to hype this up. You really want people knowing, because again, going back to what we said earlier, um, people are going to respond well to this. Mm-hmm. Every, almost everybody we know has a relative or a close friend who has, is, is related to someone with a disability. So it, it's not one of those things, you know, let's say the company was, you know, the CEO was driving something that would affect people's, um, you know, benefits or their or their 401ks or something like that, that might not be received well by all the, all the employees. Well, this one really should, because, you know, most people are going to go, Hey, this is great. 
you know, hey, this this is great, boy. And you know what? I should tell my friend about this because, um, you know, they have uh, a child or a relative with a disability that now might want to be employed here. Uh, and I've seen it happen even in, a, in our own town. We have a uh, an insurance company that um, is you know close here to my backyard that has really taken on a lot of this as a mission of theirs. And and you see it when you walk through the company. You see individuals. Um, with various disabilities and being, you know, working in prominent positions and, and everything. And it's just, it really just affects the whole culture of the company. Mm -hmm. So that's really what we're trying to do with the, with the playbook. And um, we knew we had to create something that would, that would offer that and really be an expertise um, kind of model for what corporations should do. And it's taken from, you know, um, like Voya Financial is really an incredible, um, you know, kind of, I'm not, I'm not sure if pioneer is the right word, but um, they, this is what they do. You know, they, they developed a program, they, they started looking at disability employment um, many years ago and developed Voya Cares um, to really start involving and, and building on this practice of theirs and helping others do the same. Um, it's one of the most uh, committed companies to um, various causes, especially within the disability community that I've ever seen. Yeah, um, that is that is really cool. Um, thank you for sharing more on that. Um, in addition to, you know, obviously uh, supporting uh, companies um, in in light of, you know, uh, Disability Employment Awareness Month. Uh, I think it's also worth talking about, um, you know, equal pay for individuals with disabilities. Do you guys have a uh, focus on talking about that or like um, equal pay for individuals with uh, disabilities and like how that how that looks and maybe yeah. what type of focus you guys have on that? Well, yeah. I mean, I think one of the one of the first ones when we when we think of payment is to kind of get rid of subminimum wage, right? Mm -hmm. I think that's that's probably the biggest one. Um, you know, the fact that there's still this this law out there, fourteen um, C certificates. People would, if if you've done any digging in this um, category, you would know that, but you know about fourteen C certificates that allow companies the um, the ability to pay sub-minimum wages to those with disabilities. Uh -huh. um, so that's another one of the um, priorities um, and policies that we're looking to get. Um, I think that one is introduced currently. It's called the Transformation to Competitive Integrated Employment Act, mm -hmm. um, TCIEA, if you're looking it up. Um, and, um, you know, that's a big one. But here's the good news on that one is that the the amount of 14c certificates have gone down drastically over the last 10 or 15 years i mean it's i don't want to say it's non-existent it's not right um, but it is really going by the way of the dinosaur um yeah. <laughs> I, so that's good i mean that's at least a start when we talk about you know equal pay you know that's it, it's always a hard one to even assess. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, we, we would be supportive of any measurements to do so. But as you know, we want to at first make sure that no one's paid in any form of sub minimum wages. Okay. Um, so that's a big one that we that we um, also advocate for. Awesome. Um, 
Yeah, I think it's just worth mentioning. I I agree. I don't think it's as common as it was. Um, thank goodness. Um, <laughs> but you but, but you also want the law to go. I mean, because a lot of you know when we, I think with one of my meetings, it got brought up, and it kind of was like, well, it's going away. Right. And I was like, well, let's make sure it doesn't come back. Exactly. You know. So all it takes is a really, really bad economy for now employers to go back to it and go, well, they didn't get rid of the law, so I guess I can still do it, you know, or I can apply for a 14C certificate, you know. So it's it's archaic right now, just like the, um, you know, the SSI amount was, um, mm-hmm. but um, it, it needs to go away so that it can't come back. Exactly. And that's something that... Um, I think doesn't always happen very often is, you know, when we, when we fix something for the better, sometimes the issue does come back, but also there's a great, there's a great amount of times where it certainly doesn't, you know? Right. Um, Right. So yeah, no, I totally agree. We, it still needs to be somewhat of a focus, even if it's not as prominent of an issue, you know, because if we stopped caring about all the issues that weren't as big of a deal anymore, then, um, you know, I feel like we would see the effects of that. Um, and so no, yeah, I, I, I agree. Um, (laughs) um, but, uh, the other thing that I, I just wanted to, uh, ask you is, I think you might've touched on this briefly, but, um, how did you, come about being the director of, of the CEO commission. Facility. Um, I always love to ask people stories because they always, you know, there's always a why behind it. Right. Especially right. in, in something like this, you know, um, like an organization that has such a massive purpose. Um, yeah. I always love to ask <laughs> the, the origin stories. Right. Yes. I, I do too. I'm, I'm like you, Nicole. I, I'm the same. I love origin stories, especially in this community. And, you, you know, you, you're always going to get to something, um, you know, where, where somebody and I think I think I heard it. No, I know you said your cousin has fragile acts. Yes. Um, so I don't know if that's entirely what got you into this or 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 not. But it's usually a relative. Right. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, we always we, right. We always have our why. I mean, definitely my cousin was my why. But also, Fragile X affects my life, too. Um, I'm actually a full mutation carrier, but without any of the uh, developmental delays. So it's, wow. it's okay. not very common for females to be a full mutation carrier, but um, I am. And uh, yeah, I, I just um, have the uh, ratio, 50-50 ratio of having children with, with Fragile X. So that's essentially the biggest... Um, the biggest uh impact that it has on me besides obviously uh my cousin and and family who are carriers and um yeah so (laughs) well mine mine was basically um i i was involved in um the same industry for about 23 years um and it was it, it was like workers compensation um you know, somewhat insurance related, um, managed care, which is kind of the, the medical side of, um, you know, when somebody's injured at work. So, you know, somewhat similar. I mean, we're talking about somebody who kind of who does become disabled, at least temporarily in terms of workers' comp- compensation. Um, 
and how we're going to get them back to work um, in, in, a, in as good a way or hopefully as good a way as they left it uh, before they had the injury. So, but that was, that, that really had nothing to do with disabilities per se, or those with disabilities. Um, I mean, it did in kind of a roundabout way because people did become disabled, but um, mm-hmm. it, it, that's, that wasn't really, you know, this was just an industry I was a part of. And then in, and, and I enjoyed it, but in, you know, I worked in mostly in sales for um, the entire time. And in, in the last four years, it was uh, executive leadership of sales teams. Um, and then mostly national sales before that. So I had a lot of sales and executive leadership experience um, um, prior to joining and uh, things were going fine with it. But in 2009, we did have our second son, Henry, who was born with Down syndrome. And we got very active and involved in the Down syndrome community, Mm -hmm. um, joined our local board. I I used to do <laughs> I used to do stand up comedy actually in, <laughs> That's in, in in Chicago and so I did improv. Now we have to do a separate episode just on your comedy. I know That's people are gonna I'm be like, like, well, he hasn't been he hasn't been too funny. Yeah, what's um, up with that? <laughs> yeah, I know. I guess we'll have to have a separate where it's just a lot of laughter. But um, yeah, well, and I bring that up because I kind of took some of that comedy background and I I really had stopped mostly. Um, by, by the year 2000, I did it kind of in the late nineties in Chicago for about three or four years and did improvisation and stand up comedy. And then, um, but when we had our second son, I kind of started doing comedy again, just kind of as a little kick. And that morphed into really creating a show about raising a child with, with developmental disability with down syndrome. Mm -hmm. And so that's where I started speaking around the country at different organizations. And it was a funny show, but it was a poignant show and, Mm -hmm. you know, um, commonalities that we share and things like that. Did your son ever give you some some jokes to use some, some material? (laughs) Did Yes, Uh, of course, of course. That's awesome. Wrote wrote itself. But um, (laughs) so uh, yeah. And then my wife and I started a charity called Stand Up for Downs, um, where oh. we just put on and produce comedy events and raise money for different Down syndrome causes uh, and organizations around the country. And we did that from 2013. Uh, it's still in operation now. But then in 2018, I remembered what um, improvisation can do for people, which is um, if you take these, you know, improvisation classes, they're fun, they're funny, but they also build really key skills. And I thought, boy, if you applied this to individuals with developmental disabilities, you could really build important skills that could lead to, um, you know, huge opportunities in the workforce and, and social and lifetime and, and that sort of thing. So I created um, a program called the Improvineer Method. Um, I did that in 2018. So that was always kind of my side gig while I was doing this, this day job. And the more <laughs> that grew and the more I really got involved in, you know, the, the larger disability community, I, that passion was really pulling me in that direction. Um, and it made my day job much harder to be focused on and excited about mm-hmm. because I really just wanted to do the other thing. And so, um, And so that's how, and that's how that, so that's basically what, you know, I had been involved with like the National Down Syndrome Society, who was one of the founders of this, and they were 
looking for the uh, for a new director um and um and i was kind of consulting with them about the position and listening to, to the job description and the, the current director was saying what do you you know do you think this is a good job description i said that description's great the qualifications aren't aren't accurate you know they weren't matching up because you have to be able to you know meet and talk with ceos and kind of understand their world and their language and their you know what, what drives them and you know and their time their time abilities um um and so i listened to it and i you know i thought about it he wasn't offering me the job or anything but then i called him back later and i said hey uh what if i'm interested in that job and he's like i'd love to throw your hat in the ring <laughs> and uh i went through the interview process and uh we we agreed on what you know the we agreed on the job and they offered it to me and uh, here I am. Here you are. <laughs> That's <laughs> awesome. Um, it's, isn't it crazy the type of experiences that pull us in, in a direction we might not have thought we would go in? Because um, I feel that happening a lot. And <laughs> um, yeah, <laughs> like I never thought I would start a podcast or be a or be an employment specialist for that matter, honestly. But, you know, um, I think it really goes back to our whys and yes. what we, what drives us and what encourages us. Um, and, you know, a lot of it, I think, comes from that personal experience. I mean, we kind of touched on that in every area, like in, in uh, you and I's individual lives and also just, um, from a, a workplace environment of like what we were talking about with, you know, how hiring um, an individual with disabilities really encourages uh, the workplace and makes it a um, inclusive environment because, you know, those individuals see how um, they're, the company that they're working for is supporting um, those individuals, especially if they have a family member or just connected in right. some way, like you were saying. Um, that's really cool. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I, I really, um, appreciate you sharing that. And, um, I, I really appreciate your time. Um, oh my gosh, I, I think this is one of our longest episodes, but everything <laughs> was so important to share. I'm I too chatty. <laughs> oh no, no. And I was glad that you brought up the comedy part. Cause now you, now you have an ex expectation to live up to. Um, oh, great. Great. Um, I was, but I was trying to get rid of the comedy part. Yeah. <laughs> well, as things progress, uh, with the CEO commission for disability, um, I would love to have you guys on again. Um, you know, just to kind of check in, see how things are going. Um, and I just love to stay connected. So, um, yeah, thank you guys so much for your, for your, for That'd your time. Um, yeah. And, um, I hope that you, uh, you have a great rest of your week and, um, yeah, we'll, we'll be in touch again soon. Nicole, thanks for everything you're doing. It's so important. And, and I, like I said, this, this platform to do it with. I mean, we, we just talked for 60 minutes. I mean, you don't get that opportunity too much. And, uh, and Hey, if it's, if people find it too long, they can, there's a couple buttons on that podcast that can, uh, you know, move it along or, uh, 
you know, so hey. <laughs> they can get right to the comedy. Word, they can yeah. get right to it. That's right. <laughs> well, thank Thanks you, Thanks so Rob. much, Nicole. All right. <laughs> Take care. Bye.